prepare the uh, I prepare the ground. We plow the field. We sow the seeds. And the great asbestos curtain of this magnificent gold lame trim rises in all of its majesty and glory on the theater of life. And the great vast stage upon which the theater is played out, the enormous, highly convoluted, exciting drama of existence has its players, its stars, its bit performers, and its walk-ons, which are you in the great, great play of time. The sage says that we are all bit players. Even Paul Newman, friend, means nothing in the great scale of time. You don't think for a minute that Robert Redford walks in the same path of the great pharaohs, do you? And so mankind marches past the Klieg-like of existence. Betty Boop, Minnie Mouse, they're all there. Willie Loman, Calvin Coolidge, Theodore Roosevelt, Ulysses S. Grant, Charles Bullard, they're all marching together. Thank you. That was very nice. It's a nice opening there. Sort of puts things in the perspective. Uh, by the way, before we get the perspective, would you reset that there, please? Just reset the first one there. I would like to salute the... I'd like to salute one of... Uh, the groups within our group, within the overall scope of mankind. Uh, have you ever thought of uh, Have you ever thought of nationalities as different clubs within the great, you know, the overall structure of uh, of time? Yeah, I mean, like like you think of the Japanese as, as one club. See, they're, they they've got their own little way, their little, little secret passwords and pass signs. The uh, French are another club, and they have their own little secret language. Like the Shriners have their secret uh, mystic symbols and totems. And, uh, and the Americans, they're another club. They have their own little things, too, going. It's like, like uh, in, the, in the great vast super organization, there are various departments, like a department store. That uh, you go down to Macy's and you have... You ever worked in a department store? It's very educational. Well, I have, and uh, it's highly educational. You work in a department store and you realize that a department store is not really an integral entity. <laughs> it really isn't. It's like, like, it's like a world. And you know how our world is always battling? I mean, no matter what we do, we wind up battling. We decide to have the Olympics, so we wind up yelling and hollering. Uh, and this is, a, you know, this is the way of the world. It, it will never be different. No way. No matter how many rules we make, it will be that way. Because it's, uh, it's, let's put it this way, it is characteristic of the breed. Now, there's only one way possible, ultimately, to do this in a different way. That's probably to breed a different breed. But then we wouldn't be us. In short, if you want to have a lion that is not carnivorous, you better start working and breeding lions for non-carnivorous uh, activities. So uh, <laughs> you have to make your choice, ultimately. So it's part of the breed. Would you take this down to uh, notions, please? Take this down to uh, 
Miss Nelson in Notions have employees. We had to take what they called the employee freight elevator, which was a whole different life. You know, once you get behind that door that says employees only, there's a whole social world that's going on back there that has nothing whatsoever to do with the front of the store. And so I would take this envelope down, and one day he took me from one end of the store to the next, Mr. Johnson, introducing me to all these various people. And uh, I met the head of the Notions Department. And the reason I always mention the Notions Department, that department caused us more trouble than all the other departments involved. Well, it's simple. Uh, first of all, a person who is in charge of a, a department that's just simply called Notions, that doesn't sound serious, is very, very sensitive. Uh, that's like uh, being in charge of a department called the Silly Gadgets. You know, you wouldn't like it. Other people are in charge of things called uh, major appliances. You know, here you are, your notions. Notions, what does the word notion mean? It just means a little frivolous idea. Oh, I had a notion, I ought to go, you know. <laughs> one does not get serious about notions. So the people in the notions department were really mean. They were really bad people. And uh, they were always bugged. And they always had an ad that they wanted to put in that on, on little trivial stuff like uh, thumbtacks. You know, it, you just can't get excited writing copy about the uh, rubber bands uh, and yet they got all excited they said you realize we have these beautiful red white and blue rubber bands we're the only store in town that has them but you had to pretend like gee that's really great mrs nelson i mean red white and blue rubber bands boy i'm going to write and, and so my job was to go from each department on monday morning beginning at 8 30 a.m before the store closed i would go from department to department and i would get next week's sale items, what they wanted to put on sale. And of course, I also got last week's hell. Because the day before, which was like on a Friday, last week's came out, and the stuff that they wanted to advertise last week did not get in the ad. You got it, right? So I was like the front man. So I would go from department to department, and they would they would see me coming, see, and I could see them getting their arguments together. See, and I would walk up, and this woman would say, "Look at this! Look at this!" And I'd say, uh, "Yes, uh, Mrs. Gruberman, would you look at this? What is this? We, what happened? We have 17 rows of paper clips, and they are not advertised. We brought them in for the sale. Now, what are we going to do with this?" Gee, I, I don't know. Uh, the paper clips didn't get advertised. Uh, well, I guess uh, we needed more space for the tires. You know, they had 27,616 tires that uh, they wanted to move down in the automotive department. Well, it's not my problem. Those people are getting all the ads. Oh, God. Well, at that point, I realized very subliminally there will never be peace. Mankind will never know peace. You know, uh, I, I, I don't call a job ever in my life that I hated more. I really hated the department store life. I really hated it. First of all, uh, they didn't call you an employee, which bugged me. Uh, oh, no, no, department stores uh, are uh, very, very uh, patronizing towards their people that work for them. And I was called an associate. I was an associate in the advertising department. I didn't have a job. I was associated with the corporation. And, <laughs> and I, 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 some of the most boring, unbelievably boring afternoons were spent trying to think of writing copy for ads. Like, for example, uh, I'd start out, uh, style-conscious women 
Okay. That's, you know, that doesn't sing. Uh, Style-conscious women are aware that this year's infer is the fuchsia-dyed mouton. Oh, God. And, and I, I'd wade through that, uh, all these, these uh, furs. See, I was always writing fur ads. And Mr. Johnson, who apparently hated to write fur ads himself, always gave me the fur ads. So I'd start out like, uh, <clears throat> oh, God. And I didn't know from fashions. I didn't know anything about furs. So I would, I would call up the lady in the fur department, who was kind of a nice lady, and I'd say, uh, Mrs. Gladstone, uh, you've got to think of another name. You can't call it rabbit. Because people don't like the idea of having little bunnies and uh, people skinning these little bunnies and then you make a jacket out of it. What, what you? She says, well, it is a rabbit. I'd say, yeah, but you don't say that. you got to think of another name. And uh, So all these various furries, he had euphemisms. So, for example, the, the rabbit became coney. Yes, the coney. So you had mink-dyed coney. Now, a lot of people think that was probably some kind of a fake fur, but it wasn't. It was rabbit. Now, you know that the rabbit, look up in your dictionary, the coney is a rabbit, C-O-N-E-Y. That's why they call it Coney Island. Coney Island used to be covered with millions of rabbits. That's a fact, and that's why they call it, that's why it's called Coney Island. Or do you think they called it Coney Island because some guy built a Ferris wheel there? No, it was called, it was called Coney Island because the coney means rabbits. And what do you think Staten Island means? It doesn't mean rabbit. The Staten is a form of turtle. And uh, it was uh, yeah, millions of those turtles climbed over that island one day. And so he says, hey, that look." Of course, and that was back in the Dutch days when they said, called each other Mynheer and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, this is all, uh, you're learning a lot about your life when you're listening to this show. You know, this, is, this goes a big, st- a small step for mankind, but a great step for your brain, which uh, is kind of nice to know. So I learned about all these euphemisms. See, as I'm on the phone, I, I remember calling up this lady one day, and I said, what is a mouton? Where do they catch moutons? Now, I've been to the zoo a lot. I've never seen a mouton. You know, underneath it, it says uh, Peruvian jungles or something. Now, what is a mouton? Sheep. Well, we don't call it sheep in the business. It's called sheared lamb. That's not the same as sheep. Uh, one does not say sheep. Somehow, the idea of lamb, that's kind of cute. But a sheep... It's kind of smelly. One doesn't call it a sheep. Now, what for? What is the euphemism for goat? There is such a euphemism. What is the euphemism, for example, for a calf fur? The hide of a calf. You know, it has fur. You know that. A calf has hair. What is the euphemism for that? Oh, I knew them all. And so, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you. It's a, after all, these little esoteric bits of information I've gathered at great pain. I'm not about to just lay on you here while you're sitting there picking your ear waiting for the news. Forget it, friend. Now, uh, it took me a long time, and I'll tell you, a lot of hell I went through learning this. Now, another thing, I'll have to ask you, uh, there's two kinds of, of, uh, of, uh, of lamb. The sheared lamb and the unsheared, right? Okay, they have two different names. Well, it's not simply unsheared lamb. What's it called? Correct. That's right. Persian lamb is unsheared. Very good. 
Now, the Persians never <laughs> never ran into that, but it just sounded nice. See, some, one day, some guy, you know, who was knocking his head up against the wall trying to figure out what the hell to do about this, this uh, you know, this rotten-looking coat, he, he, he finally came up with the idea that's very romantic, Persian lamb, you see. If you said Indiana lamb, forget it. You know, if you said Cleveland lamb, no way. But somehow Persian, that's very exciting. So it became Persian lamb. Shared lamb is what? It's sheared lamb. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, what uh, what do they uh, what what is squirrel? No, they don't call it squirrel. No, no, because see, during when, when Walt Disney got very big, see, when people started to watch those cute little things on Disney, you couldn't come out and call something what it really is. So you couldn't come out and say squirrel. People say, "What? Oh, that little squirrel? You mean that cute little thing with the holds those nuts up like that and runs up?" No, yes, a cute sits up and beg. Why, for heaven's sakes. No, you had to give it another name. What is squirrel? What is ranch mink? Well, not necessarily. You know, there were a lot of people calling, yes, uh, there was a plastic company called the Ranch Company, and <laughs> they turned out fake, ranch, fake, uh, fake mink. And, and believe it or not, a lot of these things uh, caused all kinds of uh, legal ramifications involved. But there I was, see? Here I am. I'm just a kid, innocent. And I got this job, and I'm supposed to write up this stuff. Well, then, then Mr. Johnson one day came around outside of his office. You know, he walked over, and he had my ad, see? He never said anything personal to me, ever. And here I, week after week, and I was very proud of this. Yeah, I'd, 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 uh, I'd come home every every week, you see, with a copy of the flyer. See, my mother would, my mother thought, you know, I'm a published author now, see, because my lines were right there. Style-conscious women are flocking to sheared beaver this year. <laughs> Isn't that a, doesn't that sing? Oh, it doesn't. Well... Damn it! I mean, uh, so I, I was writing this stuff, see, and I can't, and then I begin to get great illusions. You see. I begin to throw in poetic illusions, like uh, uh, a field of waving daffodils, a scudding cloud, and a soft jacket of mink-dyed coney. Oh, and, you know, that's really great. It, it's, in other words, I was getting very, very. Uh, uh, my my work was becoming more abstract instead of hey, here's a great buy, gals. You know, which is very direct. Well, at that point, Mr. Johnson came out of his office after I started to really swing. And I had this old L.C. Smith typewriter. I began to think of myself, in a sense, as the, as the Yates. Uh, possibly a little Sean O'Casey of the, uh, of the Goldblatt's weekly special ad flyer. He came out one day and he said, it's very good. He just held it up. He says, very good. That's really good. And I said, well, thank you, Mr. Johnson. Said, Next week, you're doing cosmetic. By the way, do you know that this is the greatest accolade you can get? Because cosmetics is all the same. All it is is vaguely rose-scented lard. And, and so it's not easy. Cosmetics are all basically the same. And it's the copy that makes it different. The, the, the vague intimation in the copy that one whiff of this stuff, and not only will you become a dynamic sexual activist, but you'll be anywhere from 10 to 20 years younger, and quite possibly even your nationality will change. You'll become overnight French. Oh, no, perfume is not nearly as uh, difficult. No, no. 
Perfume is not as not as uh, difficult to sell as cosmetics. No, there's a lot of reasons why. First of all, uh, perfume. There are only four or five major perfumes that people generally recognize: the Chanel line, Saint Laurent. Uh, these are the major ones. You can't sell, uh, uh, you know, stuff that, that just suddenly appears out of the blue, and, and they they will not buy perfume. Perfume is sold as a status symbol, whereas cosmetics promise magic. Very different, and so. <laughs> I remember sitting down one day, and, and this lady who was who was in the cosmetics department. There's always a, a, a lady that weaves her own skirts, who was in the cosmetic department, and she makes Mexican hand uh, handmade uh, uh, harachis that she wears. No, no, no. Generally, she wears her hair long and flowing, and uh, she's had maybe 30 or 40 facelifts, and she's permanently tanned, and uh, she always has a name like Muffy. Uh, they they tend to run into that. Uh, that kind of name, see, and they're always taking trips to what they call the continent. So uh, here are these <laughs> this lady, and she she sat me down one day, and she explained to me basically what cosmetics were. Now I didn't know. I just thought, you know, at that at that point, I was an ad reader, not an ad writer. I thought cosmetics. There really was a drastic difference between A and B. She says, "Well, you know," she says, oh, "Don't tell me you believe that." And I said, "Well, <laughs> yeah, you know." She says, no, I says, actually, you know, A and B and C are all made by the same company. I said, no kidding. Yes, they all come out of the same vat. It's the package that's different, my dear, and the copy. And that's where you come in. So I learned, uh, I learned that uh, the biggest selling thing in America, really, is lard, vaguely rose-scented and uh, colored pink. <laughs> by the way, there are certain mystical colors, you know. Uh, the people... Uh, think of blue as basically clean. So anything that's blue uh, seems to be very clean. Yet uh, uh, you'll never. Uh, and, and, and there have been great mistakes made by companies who colored their products the wrong color. For example, there was a toothpaste that uh, came out that was blood red once. What toothpaste was that? All right. And they really blew it out. And, and, and if, if they had brought out exactly the same toothpaste, a light blue, it would have been a smash. The same toothpaste. And by the way, the color had nothing to do with the, with the toothpaste itself. Have you noticed mouthwashes? The color is very important. Oh, yes. You don't think so? See, I can only tell you that if somebody gave you a, uh, let's say, a... Uh, yeah, well, all right, purple's okay. If they gave you a a, a, a pea green uh, mouthwash, you would not go near it. Now, if it's green, it has to be the green of pine. That is symbolic to people. The word pine is very important to people. Now, if, uh, if you had a, uh, for example, a uh, perfume that was a soap that had an oak tree smell to it, nothing. Even though oak, by the way, has an interesting aroma. But the oak doesn't seem clean and fresh to us. It seems stout and strong. And you don't want to be that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all these symbolic things. Oh, yes. Uh, you have to be very careful when you're writing a cosmetics copy. And among all things, you must remember, reality never plays a role at any point in cosmetic work. 
You never implied that the woman who was about to buy the cosmetics really is a human turnip. What you do is tell her that the true her will come out. She thinks the true her is a little bit like a cross between the Ursula Andress and the... <laughs> yeah, well, no, there's also a little touch in there of the statesman, maybe Ursula Andress and maybe uh, the first lady. That's the true person. And uh, for only $4 for an ounce and a half, it'll come out.